If you want to achieve something, and especially something big, write it down, break it down, then use your unique brain's reward system to get you there. The longest journey often takes the smallest steps. Hi, hope you're well. This is PD at the Art of Self-Development. This episode is for everyone interested in ideas and practical tools to develop the most useful skills for yourself and for the people you care about. Do you have a New Year's resolution yet? Do you usually come up with one? And do you follow through? Now, you probably know that New Year's resolutions usually don't work. And there are reasons for that. But at the same time, having a New Year's resolution is not a bad idea at all. In fact, the start of a new year, the 1st of January for most of our cultures, or any other day that'll work for you, it is a good time to start something new. The trouble is not the decision to do something better per se. It's not the date either. The trouble is, sometimes we think we can change everything real fast, only by sheer power of will. That is the biggest problem that happens. You want to get in shape, so you get that membership for the gym and resolve to go there three or five times a week. You can do that for a week, maybe two, and then, of course, you quit. I say of course because of course you set yourself up for quitting from the get-go. A New Year's resolution can be a great thing to do, starting on the 1st of January 2022, if you do it the right way. Now, everyone's right way will be a little bit different, but there are common guidelines that'll work for basically everyone, based on the way human psychology works. Because a good goal to be set is not, I will lose weight. It is not, I will get in shape, or I will get better grades, or anything else that is vague that you did not put any thoughts to. And if you have this experience, when you want to achieve something or change something, and you find it really hard to even put some thought into it, that means you're not prepared. And it doesn't mean you can't do it. What it does mean is you haven't prepared yourself. You haven't looked at that thing that you think you want to do. And you haven't looked at the benefits. It doesn't mean enough for you to actually want it. So specificity is a big piece of the puzzle. You need to be clear. As crystal clear as you can on what you want and why. If you want to finally lose weight, think of the health benefits that'll accrue to you of the activities that you were not able to do, that you will be. The social occasions that you dreaded, perhaps. And all the improvements in the quality of your life in all that matters. And the example of losing weight is an obvious one, because so many people face it, and so many people look at it the wrong way. 
I can think of my own mother, who's been trying to lose weight for decades, and who sometimes do a drastic diet, thinking that will solve the problem. And when I ask her what she will do next, after she loses weight, she'll just say, I don't need to do anything else. Then I'll have lost weight. My problem will be gone. And she still believes that. Rather than the realistic way of looking at the problem, where actually losing weight, using a quick and drastic diet, if you want to go that way at all, is only the first step on a long journey. Where, what do you do afterward to keep slim and keep healthy is much more important than just losing those pounds, losing those kilos, and setting yourself up so that it'll be natural for you to achieve the result and keep it without extra effort. This is where most of us fail, and it tends to be easier to understand if it is not us. If it is somebody else looking at you, looking at me, it is much easier for them to see our problem. But most of us wear blindfolds when it comes to what we want to achieve, why we want it, and what path we need to take to get there. So, New Year's resolution is a double-edged sword because it can give you that boost in motivation that can feel very strong and it can be strong for a few weeks. And then if your goals are too big, too hard to measure and not motivating enough, we are bound to fail because we set ourselves up to fail by not thinking it through, by not planning enough or planning badly. The truth is, if you make a big goal where you want to make a big change, you can think of a percentage. If you could make your life 50% better and you resolve to make that change on January the 1st, that change after a few days or weeks will be too much to handle. But if you resolve to do 1% better every day, that almost goes under your radar. It feels like no change at all. It requires almost no effort at all. But cumulatively over a long period of time, over months and years, your life will transform for the better in countless ways. We have a bias in that we think a big change needs to be drastic. It really doesn't. It doesn't need to be bombastic. It doesn't need to be earth-shattering. The only thing that it needs to be is consistent. If we are resolved to work hard all the time, we will grow tired of it, we'll grow demotivated, and we will quit. So it's not about working hard, it's about working smart. It's about thinking what matters to you and why, and what little changes can lead to you getting there. Because it's not willpower, or at least not willpower alone, that can get you from where you are to where you want to be. Willpower is finite, we don't have enough. 
not enough to power through all the obstacles that we have. And you wouldn't want to do that this way anyway. Hard work alone is not satisfying. This is why it's much more useful to make small goals, small, measurable, manageable goals, that you know when you've done them, you know when you've achieved them. You can take them off from your to-do list, reward yourself in some small way that matters to you, and then you can move on to the next thing. And if those goals are small and meaningful, you will want to get to the next one because they matter to you. They're emotionally meaningful or relevant. That change, that setting small, manageable, meaningful tasks is what will drive you, what will motivate you to do more and to do better. And as you do, you might as well try to get rid of those triggers that you might have, that we all have, in fact, that lead you away. For example, when you're at home and you want to do something, just take a look at the field of your vision and the things that you see. Do they lead you to do what you need to do or they take your attention away? It's kind of like when you open the fridge and you have all kinds of things there, healthy or unhealthy. What are the first things that you see? And maybe the fridge is not the best example because there are specific places for all kinds of things like dairy products or vegetables that is not easy to change that. But you catch my drift. Maybe it's that drawer where you keep the sweets that you like to eat that you can see anytime you open the drawer for any purpose at all. You might do better with those things out of sight and exchange them for things like nuts or something else that is healthy and ideally healthy and tasty and you can think of anything in your environment at your home and at work look at the triggers study the triggers that you have and exchange the negative ones for positive ones for those that that'll make it easier to fulfill your goals and your resolutions in a way that is the most natural and pleasant, in fact. Because achieving great results does not need to take a lot of hard work. Well, in a sense it does, but it doesn't have to feel that way. This is why, because I'm a language teacher, when I teach a student, I always give them the advice to connect learning English with something that they like, like watching movies and TV series that they like to watch, reading books and magazines on their hobbies, anything at all that they like that'll get them closer without unnecessary hard work, without expending too much of your willpower, because you only get so much. And so many of us are still addicted to struggle, to hard work, we have this idea that we need to work very hard to do anything and that it needs to be unpleasant or not fun. And this is just not the case. I mean, even considering learning a language, I've never lived in an English-speaking country. 
but I could still get to a level that is close to native speaker. Not quite there, but close. With very little learning, in any traditional sense of the word. Many people don't get that. They think that if you haven't hated something for at least 10 years, you're not eligible to be good at it. And this is just a horrible idea that I try to get out of people's heads, oftentimes in vain. So always think of how you can do what you want to do with the least amount of effort and with the most pleasure that you can derive from actually doing the hard work. If you spend a lot of time, if you distract yourself too much on your phone, as we all do, look at the apps that you have that distract you too much, the games that you play that don't add anything to your life. Because there are good games and bad games. I like to play good games that teach me something or that are just plain fun. And I can relax with those games and then I feel refreshed and inspired to do something. There are games like that. There are games that inspire and there are games that after you've played them for half an hour or a full hour, you know you've wasted your time. What about the social media apps? Do they add or do they take away? Do they add to your life? Do they make it better? Or do they take away? One of the ways to create good habits and to do the changes that you want is well described in the book Atomic Habits. You might want to check this one out if you want to get more in-depth. And the idea is it's not enough to make a resolution even if you write it down, which is generally a plus, as in, I want to lose weight, or even I want to lose 10 pounds or 10 kilos. You can make it more powerful if you write it in the form of some sort of positive self-identity. From I want to something, to I am, using the present tense, I am somebody who fill in the blank. You make it real in the present and you make it a positive self-identity because that's what we respond to more. And then, as we need to do for any change, we take full responsibility for all the results that we create and we try to make them the best we can for ourselves. We take full ownership of what we create. We do not look at the situation and whether or not it is the right one, quote-unquote. We do not blame the circumstance or other people. We just take responsibility. That allows you to focus on what you can do rather than on what you can't do, which really makes all the difference and that most people won't do. They'll find creative ways of talking themselves out of taking responsibility. This is why most people do not achieve what they want, even what they know they want. Because taking 50% responsibility, or 90 for that matter, isn't enough. If you don't take full responsibility 
for the whole deal. You don't need to start. The result will generally be the same. And the problem typically is that that goal, when understood, will seem really daunting. It'll seem too much, and then we put our identity into it. As in, if I try and fail, that means I'm a failure. Which is a really bad thing of looking at things. And why it's much more useful to break things down and achieve those bits and those chunks and move from one to the next. This is why focus on the journey works so much better than only focusing on the distant result, somewhere on the horizon, with no clear path to get there. It's why focusing on the process actually works as positive reinforcement, because it rewards you every step of the way. It'll give you the focus on the positive, on the achievements, big and small. Whereas focusing on the end goal only is the opposite. It's negative reinforcement. Thinking of where you're not, all the way. The longest journey often takes the most steps, and the smallest steps. Well thought out, crafted, to be your motivation. We don't keep failing because we don't have enough willpower. We fail because we fail to motivate. So figure out exactly what you want to achieve. What exactly is it? How do you break it down? Measure it so that you know that you've achieved every single step. How can you make every step as natural as you can make it? By making it fun, by gamifying it, by rewarding yourself, by doing it in a way that you like. Take away those distractions. Organize your environment. To naturally support your goals. The more you do any or all of these things, the more you set yourself up for success. The more you understand how your mind works, you can trick yourself. You can play those tricks on you to always do better. The ability to understand what exactly makes you tick, what motivates and demotivates you, and use this knowledge as you keep learning it to power through any obstacle that's in the way. That knowledge in self-motivation is the biggest power, much stronger than willpower alone, that will inevitably lead to your success. You are the master and the sum total of your thoughts. Your thoughts create pictures which lead to your actions. Your actions create habits. Your habits create who you are. And most of all of these, your actions are the key. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Art of Self-Development. If you got some value out of this episode, or you know someone who might benefit from this podcast, share it with your friends. With questions, suggestions, or insights, write me at pdartofsd at gmail.com. Keep doing your part to create the best possible life for yourself and others. And through what you do, 
Leave the world better than you found it. Thank you.